0: edition of baseball and beyond today I'm going to enjoy some lunch with an idol my all-time favorite cardinal offensively John Tudor's my favorite pitcher of all time but been trying to do this for a long time Jack Clark is sitting next to me right here we're gonna have lunch
1: well it's nice sitting out here at the beach looking out over the ocean the rocky point here in Carmel California actually we're in Kirkwood so same thing though you know, food's good, company's
0: great. Uh, I just did uh, one with Larry Walker. I talked about how I'm going to winter in West Palm Beach. So, if, if there's anywhere that I'd be doing about on a beach, you'll be in West Palm Beach. So, if anyone wants to set up, no one needs to hear about that. But uh, this is great talking to you. And um, like I said, it, it's just so cool when I think about watching the Cardinals. I mean, that 85 team got me into baseball, the 87 team, I always say it that that's the team that literally made me addicted to, to baseball. So we'll get into some of the stuff with the Giants and stuff, but I just curious about when you came to St. Louis. You know, why do you wanted a thumper yeah. and uh, that's what you, you did, you thumped.
1: Well, you know, just you know you sign with a team organizationally and you you kinda wanna be one of those guys, the mutuals or the mazes that kinda obviously Maze jumped and went went to the match, you know, at the end of his career, but you know, if you stay with the team Strzemski your whole so I was always planning on Giants were my team. It just, Candlestick Park, that whole losing scenario was just tough to be part of, you know, so when they traded for me, Whitey was supposed to be the first manager fired, and I always say that because I think that's key, because when I came, when you asked me earlier, when I came over here, well, that again started sounding like well they traded for me, and they said let's go win a championship and then the first thing I hear when I get here, Whitey's going to be the first manager fired and we're going to come in last place. It's like, well that sounds like San Francisco, what the hell, we're going to win a championship. And that's when Whitey, uh, only a few days into spring training, asked me to move me to first. He said, I know you've played third base in the minor leagues with the Giants, they wanted to make you, and I never knew that, that people knew all that type of, had that kind of information. So when I um, when he said that, I, my first instinct I enjoyed playing right field. I always had a lot of assists, and it was Ben like Tito Lander, and myself out there. And then he came asked me. He said, "Would well, you want to move to first? a well, platoon all." He said, "I don't have to platoon. I don't want to platoon all three." Of you. I was like, well, no, because I'm going to play right field. There will no be platoon You'll be trying to find way. Those guys will be, you know, and I'm not knocking them. That's just confidence. They should have the same attitude toward me. No, Clark's not going to play. I'm going to take their, his spot. You know, that's the way it should be, competing like that. They said, I'm going to move you to first. Well, you play third. I don't know to that that. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I didn't want to. And I went over there, and he says, if you don't like it in a couple weeks, I'll get you out of there. This. this is in spring training. So after a couple weeks went by and I was learning the bunt plays and the cut, because he had different cutoffs and relays than I'd ever seen before, which was the first baseman was the cutoff man for balls to left. And I had an outfield design that I'd be firing it into Pena or whoever was back there. So it was, a, it was kind of a free-for-all that way that we, re- that we really enjoyed that you just don't see anymore. And I think all those, even if you talk to Ozzy even today or any of those guys, we were all real proud of that.
0: Just the beginning of Jack Clark's sit-down lunch with me where we literally talked for about two hours. So I kind of have to cut this thing down a little bit, but uh, we were eating masses. We were enjoying some masses food right there as we sat and talked. Masses Restaurants, five locations. It's the title sponsor of Baseball and Beyond. You can find those locations at stlmasses.com. Big portions. Delicious food, pasta, pizza, seafood, steaks. Whatever your heart desires, they have it at Masses Restaurants. Five locations, stlmasses.com, No bologna in the cannelloni. They are the title sponsor of Baseball and Beyond. I'll come back here in a little bit, talk about more talk about them a little bit more but here jack remembers his first at bat as a cardinal and it was at uh, shea and he'll tell the whole story but um the night before was even uh even more of a story than his first at bat as a cardinal this is pretty interesting
1: i moved to first base we're playing the hated mets it's in new york it's opening day they got a good team now they got Hernandez and carter and strawberry and Gooden and darling and fernandez i mean howard johnson they had a really good team you know Kevin McReynolds and Kevin McReynolds was a center fielder and right fielder in San, San Diego and now he's playing left. And he's pretty that's pretty good when you can move a guy like that, you know. So I had that incident at, at the hotel. I had a phone a message on my phone from some young lady, wanting, you know, wanting to come over and all that. I mean it was still pretty early. And I left a message back, you know, that hey I'm like to say hello, I, I didn't know who she was or whatever, but then I get a knock on my door an hour later from two big guys, one smaller guy and one big, huge guy, both wearing this cold, long overcoats, pounding on my door, and I had a door that had a corner room that had like a little hallway where the front door was in New York, and then you went around the corner, and then it opened to the bedroom, and the bathroom was back there, so I looked to the people, and it's New York, I saw a couple of guys, you know, door, you know, you're You know, effing my girlfriend and all that. Like, F you, you know, get out of here, blah, blah, blah. So, 15, 20 minutes later, they came back with a security on Big old dude for the hotel. Mr. Clark, can you open the door so we can straighten this out? So, because he was there, I opened it. As soon as I opened it, this guy jumps through the door at me. And so we're kind of tussling, just for a second, but he's a lot smaller than me. There's like a little credenza table there with a lamp and everything. So I kind of picked him up and slammed him on that and cussed him out, and the other big guy that was there just stood outside. And he got into the whole thing about my girlfriend. I said, hey man, we got, you know, it's a mix-up. I don't know your girlfriend. I had a message on my phone, and I came to my room from that number from this person. So you got an issue you got with oh man, blah blah blah, blah. So he keeps going, he keeps keeps trying to put so happened to be my attorney, Tom Rich, was in town at the time for opening day. I had some meetings with the players association or whatever. And um, so I call him up, tell him what happened and this is, you know, it's about, it's almost 11 o'clock, I mean, opening days, the next day is a day game, you know, the bus is leaving at 9 o'clock or whatever to go to Flushing from Manhattan. And, um, um, so I call him up, anyhow, he goes, we all go downstairs, almost into like the bowels of the hotel, like where the equipment room is, and, but there's a table there, I guess, for people to eat or whatever, you know, um, their lunch. So we're kind of sitting around there, and this guy's making threats. I'm going to the newspaper, and he's trying to, now he wants money, you know. Yeah. You know, he wants money. And so Tom and him are getting, and Tom, my he, agent, he leaps across the table at the guy. He's got the guy around the throat, you know. And so we're back there, and He's and he's like, he tells me, he says, Jack, just go to your room. I'll take care. Well, I just couldn't sleep. I mean, I tried to go to sleep maybe around five o'clock in the morning because this was going on now about two or three. I tried to go to sleep, couldn't, and so I basically tossed and. But I think it really benefited me when I got to the ballpark and got on the bus. Nobody knew what happened. I was so tired. I was very relaxed, you know, but I was excited. But I like to compete, so as soon as. You know, I took my. I was feeling pretty good. I took my batting practice. Everything. I mean, I was ready to go. I wasn't feeling tired, but I was just feeling relaxed. It was cool out, crisp air, packed stadium. We're playing the Mets, where are the ponds scum and all that. So they go. Our lineup goes through. I'm batting fourth. You know, our lineup goes one, two, three, out. Gooden's pitching. You know, so they don't score. They don't score in the box. So I'm leading off the, the next inning, and. Gooden throws me a fastball. It wasn't first pitch. throws me a fastball. I think it was with two strikes, and I took him deep, you know. It was a line drive to left center, one of the best, hardest balls I ever hit. It couldn't come at a better time because it kind of, for me, it was kind of like I'm running around the basin going, if everybody only knew what it took for me to get to this point from going from right field to first to opening day with what happened last night, in New York of all places, you know, where news would be a big deal, and to take him deep. But but what it did, it set the tone for our team a little bit with Keith Hernandez and all the guys they had over there that this team with their defense, whether you got Doc Gooden, stack lineup, guys that hit lots of home runs and that future Hall of Famers and everything else, you're gonna have to deal with this Whitey,
0: Herzog, Whitey
1: ball team.
0: So at this point, the food comes. I have a Cajun pasta, and Jack had a Reuben sandwich, and it was delicious. I had some fries as well. And uh, we were at Masses. We were enjoying Masses Restaurant, my favorite restaurant, my title sponsor. I can't thank them enough. STLMasses.com. Also, if you're looking to sponsor a podcast and you want so many people to come to your place that said, listen, I heard about you on Baseball and Beyond. I'm a fan of that podcast. Those are some great interviews that Brad is one heck of an interviewer. I want to have some toasted raviolis and I want to tell you, thank you for sponsoring baseball and beyond. Please give me a shout. You can find me on Twitter, Brad Straubinger. Just that's my name. S T R A U B I N G E R. I'm on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, you can find me in St. Louis, uh, my, uh, Blog page is bradsportspage.blogspot.com, bradsportspage.blogspot.com. I put a lot of new material or ancillary stuff to this uh, podcast, so you can find it there. So Jack and I started eating, and then we started talking about that home run at Dodger Stadium, and I said, Jack, i got to get you to talk about this on the podcast. So that's where we leave off right here. Uh, so we were just talking about your home run at at Dodger Stadium, and I always talk about this with anybody else, so the fact that we're going to talk about it is great. Um, the first thing is obviously that he pitches to you. We've talked about that a lot. The second thing is how you make this right turn. Dodger Stadium still has all this foul territory. You're literally in the Cardinal dugout before you hit first base. You've told me a little bit about that. But then the third thing about the home run, well, Pedro Guerrero dropping his glove. Awesome. A perfect visual for all of this stuff. Throwing, is throwing, is throwing and throwing and then, but you get to home plate at the top of the ninth of game six, not game seven, and your whole team is at home plate. This isn't a walk-off home run. I think that's my favorite part of this whole thing is your team said, we've won. Tell me a little bit about uh, just, you were saying that was the weirdest part to you because I know that you said, I was telling Tommy Lasorda, hey, guess what, I just did it again to you guys.
1: Even though are scoring, if I hit the ball as hard as I can to Guerrero or the center field, they're scoring. No doubt about. it. At least tied, so I don't have to hit a home run, and I process that because you have to. You process it real quick. Don't. It's not needed. That's like down the road, third or fourth thing. If you get it, great. I'm always going to take my swings. I'm not going to get cheated. I'm get my three good swings in. You know. So I'm all I'm all ready, but the base is open, and I'm thinking to myself quickly. And I mean quickly, like in about a hundredth, I say, is it going to walk me? Is it going to pitch around me? Are they going to put their arm out and try to act like they're putting me on and then try to get a quick strike on me? Blah, 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 blah. Screw it. It's him against me. It's power against power. It's Dodgers. It's Dodger Blue. It's time for them to bleed. And they always talk about, we bleed Dodger Blue, and they've always beat me and won. And now it's time for me to get something back. But I don't have to hit a home run had complete, processed everything in the short period of time, got in there. They had struck me out the time before, again, climbing the ladder. But climbing the ladder means the first one is going to be the best one of that ladder. And then the next one's a little higher, and the next one's a little higher. But remember I said earlier in our first, we were talking, I was having a really good series. It didn't matter who threw it, who was throwing it. Where how it was spinning it, whether it was screw balls, sinkers, Fernando, big backdoor curveballs, three and two screwballs, it just didn't matter. I was gonna I was gonna to get to they already got me on that before. Three fastballs up, chased them, struck me out a couple innings before. Same situation. I know when he went out there he told them, we're dodging just give him to chase one, then climb the ladder on you know. He just didn't climb it enough, you know, and I got I got on top of it, you know. And I missed it just a little bit to hit it perfect for a home run to get the height on it and everything else, which then it was time to celebrate, you know, because when I hit it, I knew it was gone. I knew it was fair. It wasn't down the line. I didn't see Guerrero throw his glove down. I saw that later because when you have a player on another team do that, You've, you really stuck a dagger in them then. If I wish I would have known that, to be honest with you, because I would have felt better even about the bottom of the ninth inning because the game wasn't over. So as soon as I hit it, I looked into the dugout because I knew it was gone because I had kind of got a reputation around calling pitchers bitches and stuff, you know, punks and everything else. I mean, and they knew they could hear it. I wanted them to hear it, that Native I didn't. it was your bitch that day. Well, <laughs> not really, you know, really what I said, when I said it, my teammates kind of took that on. Like, they'd see me during the, before the game, what's up, bitch, you know? And it didn't matter whether it was Ken Dale or Cox, you were, hey, bitches, John Tudor, what's up, bitches, you know, something like that. And that just was kind of, so as soon as I hit it, I looked at it and I said, take that, bitches, you know? And so i took my time i remember going around the base and i said you know what man all that dodger blue weebly dodger blue trying to show me up again you know pitching to me like i'm some Joe Bag of Donuts, no good, nothing, you know, from the old giant days that you ruled. But now I'm a Cardinal, and this is a different team. And this is a team with history and winning, and they won in 82. It's not like they came from New York, and it's been forever, and they haven't even got to the playoffs. They won the World Series, and we got an owner in Gussie Bush and fans and everything else. And I wanted to do it for white I mean, you've heard the stories where... You know, I used to go fishing during the season, get down there and meet him at 3 o'clock in the morning and you know, fish till 9.30, 10, and then I'd go back and get, take, a, take, go back, take a nap, get ready for the game. And I'd get back and take a nap and come for the game, take batting practice, and still took infield. You know, it was just part of it, you know? And I didn't like sosha I hated sosha I mean, I tried to kill him earlier. You know, hit him in the throat knocked him out.
0: Um, you did kill him for about five minutes, he yeah, looked dead. Well, oh,
1: I wanted to because he hurt me, too, because he did a dirty little hip check one time on a play at home where there was no play. But right yeah. when I got to home, I stepped on the plate, and then he hip checked me, and my spike was on the plate, and my body spun around, but my foot stayed there, twisted my knee, blew my knee out, had to have surgery and have a drain. So I never forgot that, and he had a dirty reputation, and everybody was trying to get him for other dirty things, the way he would throw his mask as you're running. Instead of throwing it away, he'd throw it into you and hit some guys. He would always block the plate, because he was a big pile of doo-doo, you know. So he would try to block the plate with all his gear and everything, and he could get hurt that way, too, you know. So... And he just was dirty. I mean, Chili Davis got him later. A bunch of guys tried to get him. But I think I got him first, and I wanted him bad. So every time I was on second, I just prayed for somebody to get a hit. And I was going to run through the howling Near over there at third base, and I was bringing it, man. You know, I was doing Joe Morgan, shortest distance, two points. I was running straight to the bag. I was getting there as fast as my fat ass could get me there. <laughs> I, he held on. He was suspended. He was up in the air with that ball and he was hung out to drive. And I could have slid, but there was no way I was gonna slide. And I hit in the midair with my elbow right in his throat as hard as I could, you know. And he was, I remember Tommy Hurt coming over like waving to the dog, like come out, like he's turning purple, swallowing his tongue. And they took him to the hospital. And I actually talked to an interview when I was doing a radio show here and saying when the angels came to play, he was gracious enough to come do the interview as long as i didn't talk about the collision at home plate you know which was fine so anyhow he's back there i didn't like him and i never liked those teams from before that they had garvey and those guys were gone you know now it was marshall and you know uh, steve Sachs, you know those guys it was just a different group shelby was in the center field Renneke, um, you know, I think you know, you know, the third
0: baseman too, I wasn't around say at that time, Phil uh, uh, Madlock was there, so he was he was—he oh, was a big uh, yeah, deal. he could
1: have been there, yeah, it was a good deal, he was ex-teammate uh, from San Francisco also, you know, so, anyhow, I took that turn, I, 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 I think I ran out to right field almost, I felt like I did, I wanted to, and then I came back, touch second. When I hit touch second, I didn't quite go to third. I kind of touched second and kind of went out to shortstop a little bit, because I'm getting closer to their dugout. And I wanted all of those Dodger players and the sort of just to uh, like go, oh, did I make the right decision? I mean, I, I mean, I really wanted to rub it in, like I gotcha. And I really didn't hit home with me, like you said, till I got the third, I hit third, hit Hal Lanier's hand, and I kind of made a big turn there, still taking my time. It's definitely the slowest trot I ever had. Because I didn't, never really wanted to show up pitchers, but I really wanted to show up the Dodgers right then for a lot of reasons. And I came around and then I saw all the players at home played. I was like, this is only the top of the ninth, the game's not over, but hey, since you're here, and I actually reached over all the, because we had a bunch of little guys, and I actually reached over everybody, and Danny Cox was kind of reaching over everybody with both hands and I reached over and hit him first because all the other guys were little Vince was out there on one leg jumping around and everything else, and, we're going to the World Series and you're not, in your ballpark, you know, when you have the lead and you just took it, the- it was a good game because that game was going back and forth and so it was a lot of, with the history in the team and I always remember, I I, I love Jack Buck's call and I love I love the call also by Vince Gullick, you know Clark a chance to redeem himself after striking out in the seventh. The Dodger right-hander is set, and here's his pitch to Jack Clark. Swinging and a long one into left field. Adios, goodbye, and maybe that's a winner. A three-run homer by Clark, and the Cardinals lead by the score of seven to five, and they may go to the World Series on that one, folks.
0: That call, courtesy X Radio, oh my goodness, that call gives me chills, I remember where I was, I was what, uh, 1985, I would have been nine years old, I was with my father, we are getting records, we were at Baptist Church Records, because as uh, my dad was wont to do, he figured they had lost that game, and we were going to have to watch game seven, so he said, Ah! Screw these guys, let's go see, uh, let's get some records. He was a wedding DJ. So we were at Baptist Church Records, and we watched it on a little TV there. And uh, that was exciting. It seemed like to me when I was a kid, Jack Clark hit a home run every day. When you're a kid and a guy hits 22 home runs, it feels like he hits one every day. If you look at his 1987 stats, 1987, which we didn't get a chance to talk about, I uh, did want to mention that uh, Jack and I talked for two hours, so I had to take some stuff out and hopefully we'll have another conversation and maybe get into 87 with him and some other stuff, but uh, I think by the all-star break, he had 36 home runs and 87 RBIs, or 31 home runs and 87 RBIs, it's one of the most overlooked first halves in Cardinal history, in my opinion, because uh, he kind of got injured at the end there, but always love spending time with Jack Clark, and always love talking about Massa's, my favorite restaurant, my title sponsor, once again, Massa's Restaurants, we really appreciate them being... The title sponsor, five locations, massesstl.com. You can find those locations and the menus and everything else about Masses. Once again, if you're looking to get some pub here on Baseball and Beyond and help uh, get your business some more clicks, some more visitors, some more people buying your product, just give me a shout on Twitter. Brad Straubinger is my name. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. You can check out my blog page, bradsportspage.blogspot.com. And I would love to have more sponsors. It's fun doing this. I hope everyone enjoys these interviews. It Took a little summer hiatus there. But we're back. We're doing more interviews. Big guests still to come throughout the rest of the summer and into the winter. Appreciate you listening. This has been another edition of Baseball Beyond, and we'll talk to you soon.